This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In front beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Man, we're already in a primetime edition. So we're just gonna hop right into this and get right into it, man. I'm asking a question. Um, why are there more women in the church than men? Or another way to phrase that question that I see it that I have at the bottom of the screen is where are the men in the church? So I just want to kind of open up with that broad question and I'm gonna let you take that on. Man, why are there more women in the church than men? I mean, to be honest, I believe that the church for many, many years have been speaking to women. Um, you know, the church for many, many years have conducted itself as a business. And many of the leaders of the church, the pastor, the denominational leaders, um, they think of the church as a business. So <clears throat> if you are, you know, worrying about the bottom line and you're thinking about the work of God as a business, um, you have to then think of people as customers. Mm -hmm. Even the scripture says that they would make merchandise out of you. Right. So that's what you see in the world right now. Women are, women are the primary customers for many of the churches, for a lot of the churches. Um, and I think uh, women are drawn to the church because of community. Mm -hmm. Women, they seek out community. Um, community is a place of security, is a place where they can find identity, is a place where they can find purpose. Um, so um, they, they're attracted to these things. And the church right now, a lot of churches, I've been to a lot of churches in my life, and mm -hmm. Community is like a buzzword in churches. Right, right, right. So of those churches, because you say you visited and been in a lot of churches in your life, did you find that there was always an imbalance between the amount of women in the church versus men? Or were there some churches where there was a little more balance? Um, Yeah, definitely. There were some churches where there was a little bit more balance, mm -hmm. um, for sure. Um, when I think about the churches that had... uh. Uh, a little bit more balanced, they were kind of like churches with, uh, they, they were churches that weren't black churches. Okay. Um, <laughs> they were the, the churches that weren't right, black right. churches. They had a little bit more balance just simply because um, uh, a lot of those women, they had husbands mm -hmm. and the husbands would come to church. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of the churches that were kind of focused on youth like youth center churches with ministry music ministries where the young people were highly involved in the church services those churches also were a little bit more balanced okay yeah you you might have went on a rabbit hole that i yeah. wasn't expecting to really go down man yeah. just the difference between in your experience some of the more balanced churches being uh, more families, right? Versus, and so do you think that has something to do with the black culture and just the black culture being more matriarchal? Um, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, not to even identify the culture, whether it's patriarchal or matriarchal, and I would agree it is matriarchal, mm -hmm. um, but just the lack of fathers in the community and um, and even maybe the reluctance of the reluctance of maybe even if the fathers are there, the reluctance to attend the church services. Mm -hmm. So I think more so that's what we want to speak to today. Um, that kind of uh, um, that reluctance to be a part of the church, that maybe the distrust for the church. Um, um, I think um, that's something that is uh, relevant. That's something that is um, on the minds of a lot of black men, but just men in general, I think, too, as well. Yeah, it's it's funny, man. Me and Randy just came back from a shoot. Uh, me, Randy, and brother Timothy, and we were kind of chopping this up in the car. And I threw this question out there. And almost at the same time, you guys both said, almost in unison, authenticity. Hmm. Authenticity. And if there's one thing the gospel should be, it should be authentic, hmm. right? It should be authentic. Are we getting authenticity from the pulpit? I would say absolutely not. Um, and this is my own anecdotal experiences from being in church from as a young man into adulthood. I would mm -hmm. say I was always seeking that authenticity. I was always seeking for somebody to speak to the issues uh, that I was dealing with um, socially, um, academically. Um, personally, um, but it's almost as if um, none of these things were really being addressed. Um, no one's really confronting in church men's issues. Um, and so that was problematic for me. And because of that, um, I had to try to seek those answers and wisdom and people talking about those issues outside of my local church. Mm. So I had to find like uh, ministers online, content creators, just people who were talking about stuff that I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so that take a little bit of searching. And then also that searching could even at times lead you down the wrong path. And I know it did for me. So um, authenticity, um, honestly, one of the things that, and this is not to, uh, I don't want to sit here and just kind of talk all day about ministers mm -hmm. and what they're not doing. Um, I rather, um, like I consider myself a minister. I rather just focus on doing what I see is lacking versus just constantly harping on what other people are not doing. Mm -hmm. But, um, just to kind of address my upbringing and what I saw in the church, I saw, I, I really didn't see authenticity. I remember this one time I was in the church. I was actually invited by a coworker to go to her church. This was an older black woman. Mm -hmm. And she invited me to her church. And the church, I lied to you not, was like probably 75 to 80% females. Okay. Um, literally. I mean, even the young people were like more females. Like it was like they had more daughters than they had sons. Mm hmm um, and the pastor was a male, but you can see from the pastor being on a pulpit, as I was listening to his sermon, mm -hmm. he was literally reacting to whatever 
um, they were validating is almost like if he was like, if I'm speaking to you, right. Mm -hmm. And I'm picking up my cues from you nodding your head in, in agreement with that. Then I continue to kind of speak down the same channel of what I'm already saying. Right. But it was it was interesting when he said something that the women, it was almost like, you know how they said speaking to the choir? Yeah. Except the choir was the audience. The choir was the people in the pews. So he was speaking to them and and he could read and he could sense like their reaction, whether it was grunting, whether it was amen. And when he wasn't getting that approval, mm -hmm. he would switch to a different topic. He would switch his, his tone. And I'm mm -hmm. like, man, like it was so visible to me that this man was just standing up here trying to please these people. And I'm like, that's not a man of God. Wow. Yeah, man. Uh, we were kind of talking about this earlier and, and we will get to solutions pretty soon I'm, I'm the same way man it's like i want to focus on how we can kind of remedy this this problem but we were just kind of talking a little bit about this video that went viral recently of a pastor who had basically gotten on his congregation <laughs> for not buying him a watch uh i don't know if folks really got a chance to see this i'll see if i can bring it up real quick but it wasn't only what he was talking about, but it was just kind of like his delivery, his 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 preacher gymnastics. Yeah, you can so pastor demands. Okay, yeah, just all of those different things um, about him, right? Uh, and and it's almost like this tone, this cadence that's geared toward women. I mm. call it like sassy. It's just it's just like a a sassy. It's, it's, it really comes off as authoritative. But you know what I mean? It's really just more like a feminine approach. So I'm going to pull up this video real quick. And I think just to clear this guy, he's already apologized from what I've heard, you know, and hopefully this is the right video that I'm pulling up. But uh, I just want you to hear this real quick. And everything he's saying is being affirmed mm. by the amen preach. That's right. Mm -hmm. Like all of the, the stuff that we just typically hear in churches, usually the black churches, just all of that stuff is being affirmed. And it's like, it didn't even matter what he was saying. It was more about how he was saying it. And to me, this, this goes into emotionalism in the church mm. and what the church offers uh, men versus women, mm. you know, I think the, the that there's an imbalance between the emotionalism and the actual substance. Mm. Oftentimes in a lot of charismatic or black churches, not always, there's a lot of, of really great balanced churches out there, but there's just this certain emotionalism that appeals to people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, listen, I love having some church just like the next person. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm game for some church but uh, if you get caught up in that, then it becomes this thing about, OK, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter what the pastor is saying. Sometimes we're just going <laughs> to we're just going to rock with it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm going to play this video. Hopefully everybody will be able to see it and hear it. See, that's how I know you still poor, broke, busted and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. Come on. Come on. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. 
I ain't worth your St. John knit. Y'all can't afford it no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. Mother, ooh, I'm saying this, and I promise you, Deacon it's not with respect of won't. I'm saying it because I want you to understand just what God is saying. I even found out that Movado, you can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. Right. So, I mean, the thing about this man is... <laughs> wow. Not to not to pick on that dude. I don't know who that guy is or wow. anything like that, right? Um, but guys don't want to sit under that. You know what's interesting? Uh-huh. Um, when I first heard that video, I could just hear the the women. Right. But just now I heard I heard men. Wow. I heard men in their older did, men. Yeah. Yeah. Egging that stuff on. Mm-hmm. So so that's interesting. Um but I mean, if we were to sit in that church, I probably there'd probably be a majority of women, more women than men, I believe. Um, and the men who were in there, they probably weren't younger than him. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think also the the whole kind of way for that type of I wouldn't say that type of preaching, but that message of prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the younger generation are over that. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the younger generation are kind of tired of that message and it's not, it's not registering with them. Yeah. But as far as his whole presentation, I get what you're saying. Um, I think there's a disconnect, um, between men and women and how they perceive like straight talk. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you would describe that as sassy. Right. Right. And I think women think a person talking like that is strong. All right. They think that is strength that they, they kind of somehow equate that to masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily because a lot of women um, have not really been talked to, uh, taught, sat under a man and been taught. And mm-hmm. um, they don't know um, the sound of strength. Right. Right. They don't know that a person speaking just like it's, it's, it's what the person is saying and the substance and the character behind what he's saying mm-hmm. that makes it strong, that makes it powerful. Um, they said about Jesus, you know, man, he speaks um, not as the scribes and the Pharisees, he speaks mm. differently, right? Mm-hmm. He speaks as one having authority. Um, there's not a, a lot of people in the church, men or women, who are able to speak with authority, mm-hmm. with true authority. And that authority is like, man, listen, um, they're speaking from their life. See, people are able to speak church and they're able to speak theology. They're able to speak doctrine, mm-hmm. but very few people are able to speak from their life. Right. And that's where the authority comes from. When Jesus spoke, he spoke his own life. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I agree that a lot of times a, a male authoritative voice is foreign. 
And when I say authoritative, I don't mean that they're yelling or just projecting loudly, but I just mean to your point, they're literally just speaking from the authority of God. Uh, Most authority doesn't have to compensate because authority has already established its position. So a lot of times when there's a, a extra compensation or extra projection and all of that, it's really a compensation for a lack of authority. Mm. So it's like when I'm this, you know, a pastor and I'm about to say something completely idiotic or or that I should know is wrong mm. about why I didn't get them a bottle watch when there's a gazillion more important issues going on mm. other than that. Right. I know that I have to say it with the, the the inflection and the gymnastics and all of this stuff because i'm really not authorized to say that mm. right so because i'm 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 operating from a place of a lack of authority now i'm speaking from a place of manipulation mm. so i'm pretending like i have power but in actuality i don't have it but i have to give the illusion that i have it and that gets back to the authenticity um a lot of a, a lot of guys because we're not that motivated by emotion usually mm-hmm. it can be a guy that's not even in the church like not even in the faith sure but he could hear something like that and be like oh that guy's just full of crap right so this is this i believe this emotionalism is why some people feel like some men feel like the church doesn't really have anything to offer them. Right. Because you, you're packaging, to your point, you're packaging everything um, with this female composition that's designed to appeal to them and all of that. So you kind of talked a little bit about some of your experiences and stuff like that. Uh, growing up, I went, so I went to church from whenever. Real quick, I want to kind of go back to what you were just saying uh-huh. and how you're saying that true authority does not need to add on all the extra things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to uh, somebody on YouTube talk about like politicians, uh, specifically, uh, she, even though she's not a politician, like the press secretary of the White House mm-hmm. and how when she speaks, she uses like the hands gestures. Right. The hands gestures. This how politicians communicate the same way in church. You have the church theatrics and the minister theatrics and the come on now and all the extra stuff. Um, The politicians, they have their own theatrics and how they try to communicate to show um, truth to show honesty, to show like they're down to earth. And she's constantly communicating with all these hand gestures and stuff like that. And that's something that's very interesting for people who kind of study like politicians. Uh, I remember this one story hearing from a guy um, about Bill Clinton, right? Like Bill Clinton was actually walking through a crowd and they said that Bill Clinton was doing all this like weird facial gestures. Like he was mm-hmm. just making all these weird faces. And the person who was there alive was like, yo, this dude is wacky. Like what's wrong <laughs> with him? Uh-huh. But then when, uh, when it translated to camera, it looked hella smooth. They looked like, yo, he looked just it for whatever, whatever he was doing that looked wacky on the floor somehow translated into the camera is like this really smooth, confident guy. And it was Mm. like, yo, what is that? And so this is something that uh, politicians are skilled in. Mm. 
-hmm. Now, there's a scripture in the Bible that I meditate on. This is when Jesus was in the garden, and this is um, when he was about to be arrested. And Jesus says something. He said, this is the power of darkness. And he said, they come, you, he said to the, to the, the, the scribes, because it was the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders who were leading the Roman soldiers to come and get and arrest Jesus. But uh, they also, too, they came with weapons. And Jesus said to them, he said, hey, you guys see me daily in the open. And I didn't pose a threat to you. You didn't act like I posed a threat to you, but yet here you are putting up this facade, right? You're putting up this facade that mm. um, I'm so threatening to you. You know, you got to have these soldiers come in. You got to have all these weapons. And, um, and Jesus says, this is the power of darkness. And how I look at that is like when people are always bringing in extra stuff um we see this a little in very much in our society right with you know the bible talks about how a woman should be uh modestly adorned we see that that is not the case in our society it's the access of whether it's the the jewelry whether it's the makeup whether it's the hair what all these different things is is always the access to put on this presentation and so what the leaders of the religious group was doing, they were putting on this access that they were so threatened by this man, Jesus, when they saw him a few days ago, they didn't feel threatened at all. He didn't pose a threat to them. So this whole idea of trying to sell something, um, that's where you get into like the theatrics and the gymnastic. But a person who is speaking the truth, they merely just need to articulate. They really just mean, mean to say, and the truth by itself carries the weight and the authority. Mm -hmm. So is the gospel not appealing enough to people? Is is that an issue? Yeah. That's okay. A, that's an issue. I mean, the mm -hmm. gospel is not uh, appealing mm -hmm. to people. <laughs> the gospel is not appealing to people. Um, the, the gospel is not sexy. Mm -hmm. It's not sexy. Um, because... Um, we've been programmed to be attracted to something that's not the gospel. Um, we've been programmed to make heroes out of ourselves. We've been programmed for us to get the glory. In the end, we don't get the glory in the gospel. Jesus gets the glory. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the gospel is not appealing to your flesh. Right. Yeah, that's the thing about it, man. It's it's the best deal going, right, for your soul. <laughs> it's the best deal going. It's the only deal going for eternal life. But to your point, it doesn't appeal to the flesh, right? And so what's happening is the compensation is I need to be able to win over this flesh. And who knows what each minister's motive is, hopefully is pure. But, but what seems to be happening is... I need to win over these five senses yeah, and I need to win over ego. I need to win over uh, pride, uh, you know, the pride of life, these type of things so that 
I guess I can win their soul. Right. Or if you're a false minister so that I can win their resources. Sure. Yeah. And so I see that happening, man. It's 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 a false uh presentation mm. that's not targeting the right area. Mm. You know, there is a market, quote unquote, for people who need healing for their soul. Right. Which is everybody. Right. <laughs> All of us need healing for our soul. But it's like, what does it really take to get somebody to come to the revel the revelation that I need to do this inner work? Mm -hmm. And so you got so many people appealing to the outer work. So let me ask you this, not to get too far off topic. Like, what what do we as the body of Christ need to do to package the gospel in such a way that it points to people's souls yeah. and they realize that they need it. I mean, it's, it's not something that's difficult um, in a sense, in a sense of it's not something that we have to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, now I will say this ministering requires anointing. It requires the Holy spirit. Um, that's what the Bible talks about. Like, um, to give a word in season. Um, the scripture talks about when the unbeliever comes, it's better to prophesy than to speak in tongues in a foreign language, because if we prophesy, we can speak to his heart and God can reveal his consciousness to him mm -hmm. and he can have praise for God and he can be, he can marvel at God working through the minister. So really what we're what the minister job is to do is not really to work things up to be appealing to people is really just to be used by the Holy spirit mm -hmm. so that the Holy spirit can speak to people. Yeah, man. Uh, when you said that, it made me think about when Jesus recruited the disciples and to a, a lot of them, he just kind of came up to them and just said, follow me. And they followed him. So that had to do with who he was. That had to do with the fact that he was filled with the spirit. That had to be with the. That had to do with the fact that he was carrying the presence of God. So, so to your point, we do have to be anointed to to draw people, to to pull men into the church. And Jesus said this. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, um, "No man can come to me unless the Father draws that person to me." And who's to say, what was the Holy Spirit doing before Jesus in the physical presented himself to Nathaniel? Mm -hmm. You know, before Jesus in the physical presented himself to Pierre and those, and those people. Um, maybe God was already working. I'm sure that God was already working in those people. Mm -hmm. Peter was probably already getting sick of that job. This is right. not Holy Spirit's whisper in his ear. This is not for you, man. This is not what I have for you. And then, you know, here comes Jesus. Let's go. Time to go. It's, it's go time. You know what I'm saying? So um, when, when, God is, when God is moving, man, God is moving in all, in all areas. You know, he's moving in all person. When the word of God is moving, mm -hmm. the Father is working. You know, the spirit is working. And so that's what we see taking place, right? But the problem is the church is working for itself. Wow. 
the church is working, like we mentioned earlier, the church is being looked at as a business. The reason why you have to come up with all these attractions, um, the reason why you got to come up with all these sales and these discounts and these flashy lights and all these different colors is because you're trying to draw people to you. Mm. You're trying to draw people to your church. And that's what we should not be trying to do. Um, we should be trying to draw people to to the Lord. And really, it should be the Lord using us to draw people to him. Yeah. So a lot. one scripture that people use to kind of justify that is the scripture that talks about I became a Jew as a Jew to draw the Jews. I became as an unbeliever to draw the unbeliever. So where's the balance between using that type of wisdom and ministry versus using theatrics? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the full context of that scripture is talking about like Paul. Mm -hmm. He said, I became all things to all men. Um, so that I can win, you some. know what I mean? To yeah. win some. Um, so the full context of that is like he's been sent out uh, primarily like th for a period of time to the Jews. And then primarily, you know, his ministry was with the uh, the Gentiles. And then even amongst the Gentiles, he was dealing with very, very different types of people. Um, so that whole idea is... Um, you know, what Paul is talking about uh, is is not what we really see in the church. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not it's not what we really see in the church. Um, the what Paul is talking about is is basically showing himself relatable. OK, you know, showing himself relatable. And that's something that. The thing is. When we're talking about the scripture, you don't have to, when we're talking about the things of God, I don't have to become a completely different person to show that I'm relatable to you. Because when it comes to the light of God, when it comes to sin, when it comes to our nature, our fallen nature, when it comes to uh, our need for God, we are all relatable in that area. Um, Paul had the background of being a Jew, the background of um, being a Pharisee, he's talking about he has the ability to play up all those things to a Jewish person, mm -hmm. get them to kind of relax and be like, oh, that's one of that's one of our people. This is one of our guys. Let me hear what you're saying again. Mm -hmm. You think, okay, you have a background as a Pharisee, and now you think this way? That's, that's interesting. Because a lot of times in this world... Um, if people judge by the appearance, right? A lot of times in this world, people judge by the appearance. Um, like you could be a black man, but if you got like a suburban accent and you come up to some a bunch of dudes in the hood, they're not gonna want to hear what you have to say because right. you're not you're not one of them, mm -hmm. right? So there there is a type of process that it takes for people to when you're communicating with people, you're trying to express an idea with somebody to make yourself more relatable to them, to get them to recognize that you're not some sort of um, stranger or foreigner because you're trying to relate to them. Um, mm -hmm. But how that's used. So the, it ultimately has to do the, with the motive of where you're trying to traffic this person to, right? Where are you trying to take this person to? If the idea is to, get this person to be uh, a person who just fills up a seat in a church, that's not the goal of the gospel. 
what Paul was what, what Paul was trying to do, he was trying to plant the seed, mm-hmm. spread the word, and he'll let it go. You you go wherever the Lord leads you. Um, so when he was speaking to people in temples, when he was speaking to people um, in synagogues, um, it was just merely to not to advertise his church, but really to kind of glorify Jesus and to lift him high. Yeah, to win, to win. I want to talk a little bit about just the, the idea of the draw. Because one of the questions when we were brainstorming was there are a lot of men, especially young men, but men in general, that are being drawn by other movements other than Christ. Sure. So some of the things we threw out there was like Nation of Islam. Sure. Uh, Black Hebrew Israelites. And then a, a newer one is the Manosphere. Sure. Right. So what is it about these these movements, so to speak, that's appealing to to guys that are that are actually drawing them in and creating some traction. Like, yeah, I mean, you can tackle them all at the same time or one by one, however you want to do it. Yeah, man. Um, that's an interesting question. And basically, as we were talking, and God, God kind of showed me something about these groups, like like the manosphere, you wouldn't consider it to be a religious thing, but it does have religious undertones to it. Mm. Um I believe like we talk about how the gospel is not sexy to the flesh. A lot of those things they have they they have things to they are sensual. Okay. That draws the flesh. Um so if you're talking about the manosphere in particular, the manosphere um it's it's fleshy and carnal in a sense that it appeals to um a male's frustration. Um, whether it has to do with uh, the opposite sex, whether it has to do with, um, you know, like their upbringing, whether it has to do with society at large, right? It's appealing to um, a general frustration that males have mm-hmm. um, in living in living in this society. Now, um, is now. Do I sympathize with that frustration? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. Hi, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I sympathize with that frustration. Um, however, uh, a lot of it is misplaced, right? So a lot of it is misplaced. I think um, Kevin Samuels, who recently just passed away, um, he was uh, one of the people that knew him. Um, I don't. I want to get this right, uh, but. He said, kind of talking about their behind the scenes conversation. I think this guy was like his best friend. Mm-hmm. He said, Kevin said to this guy, his friend said, after the whole uh, video and his channel had blew up, he said to um, his friend, he says, now do you think that the men will listen to the things that I was saying? Mm. Now that they see me talking to these women. They see that I can speak to these women and I can, um, quote unquote, put these women in their place. I can, I can diss these women. I can, um, I can, you know, talk the way that they wish that they can talk to the women, Mm -hmm. right. They can live vicariously through me or they can basically, 
um, win vicariously through my program. He says, now do you think I have the ear? Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, as far as like the nation of Islam, the black Hebrew Israelites, you know, the black Hebrew Israelites kind of, uh, as well as many of these other um, alternative new age type of religions, black consciousness types of groups, they give black people a type of identity and they kind of give them a type of glory that black people feel like they haven't had. They, they, they talk about, oh, you are this, you know what I mean? They basically exalt the black man, the black mm -hmm. woman in these types of groups. And so all that is carnal and fleshly, um, as well as the nation of Islam. You know, the, the nation of Islam, they vilify um, the white man. That's something that is like, that's something that is, um, that's appealing to the black man, the black psyche, because it's like, you know, finally I have something I can put my foot over this person, you know, who mm -hmm. um, if I have a vendetta against white people, I can use this doctrine to put them down, make them less than me. So a lot of those a lot of those groups, a lot of those rhetoric are kind of tools of vengeance mm -hmm. that's kind of um, appeals to men um, because they feel as if they're getting some sort of vengeance or giving some sort of pushback against something that has oppressed them. Yeah. And it is a it is a it is an attraction you know, I was thinking about the black Hebrew Israelites and also the nation of Islam and how really it is very structured. Like in terms of what you have to do, it's not very um, it. Does, some of the stuff doesn't appeal to the flesh. Some of it does. But like you said, it's the fact that I have a tangible enemy I, and I have a tangible purpose. We were talking offline about attracting young men to the gospel and giving them a purpose, galvanizing sure. them, motivating them to say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do because men naturally are geared toward competition and things sure. like that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these, these movements, so to speak. And it's like, these guys uh, really, I think it appeals to some men because they don't have to function in the spirit realm as much. Because you're giving me a tangible enemy, sure, a tangible uh, set of rules and regulations that I have to do, um, a tangible way to look at life, mm -hmm. and it's almost like the, the 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 polar opposite of the issue we talked about in the church, where the church has like hyper emotionalism mm -hmm. and not a lot of uh, you know like uh, logic. I can't think of a better word right sure. now. Versus these these organizations that have a very rigid set way of life sure with almost no emotionalism or another way to say that for the, for this point is spiritualism sure. you know what i mean um it's not to say that they don't they don't talk about it at all but from what i gauge it's about rules 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 right and so it kind of if a man is 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 spiritually lazy and sure. carnal and he wants something to appeal to his flesh, he's going to follow those movements. Yeah. I mean, uh, not to mention also, you know, the nation of Islam is very popular in prison. Yep. And, you know, in prison, 
a lot of people are looking for, you know, prison, it's kind of segregated, right? Into the gangs, into racial groups. So a lot of people are looking for that type of covering, mm-hmm. right? They're looking for that covering, that community. And so um, they have, a, you know, I guess an advantage there in prison because people, mm-hmm. they have a strong need for that type of community. Um, yeah, man. Um they do they do kind of present an enemy um so that's why a lot of this stuff is um when you're talking about um movements that are appealing to men a lot of this stuff is misplaced um a lot of these things may be kind of like um the right intentions or that which is actually right in a man that he should be pursuing um being misplaced mhm into the wrong direction right so um the man really should be pursuing an enemy like we talked about right before we talked about the scripture and first john i'm gonna pull that up real quick Mm -hmm. it talks about how john says in first john chapter 1 2 verses 14 says i have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. Mm-hmm. So it speaks about the strength of the young man and his ability to overcome, to conquer. Right. So the young man needs to be and the, the old man here, the father. He's known that which was from the beginning, meaning he knows the truth. He knows the truth before. Um man came and established this the older men they knew knew what it was like in the past Mm. right and so the older man should be able to say hey young man um this is false this is true this is unholy this is um this is holy this is profane this is the holy things this is unrighteousness this is righteousness and the Old man should be encouraging and giving the direction and shining the light to the young man so that he knows the path, so that he knows what to avoid, so that he knows who his enemies are. Mm. But we fail to do that for the young man. Um, And also these groups, they fail to do that. But what they do do is they present an enemy, right? They present an enemy. They present some semblance, some form of righteousness. And a lot of the young men are drawn to that. But the right way is this. Um, This is what the Bible teaches. Um, You have an enemy in the devils, in the demons, in the evil spirits, in the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. You have an enemy in that. And those beings are manifested in ideologies, culture, music, um, different influences. But your number one enemy is your flesh. The scripture teaches that the number one enemy is the flesh. And the young man needs to know that the young man needs to also be able to have the wisdom to discern. um, Is everything evil about my flesh or is there something that is actually good about my flesh? See, that's where we're getting the messages wrong right now. Mm. Um, Men are being told. Your masculinity is wrong. Men are being told you need to be more like women, right? And so some of these 
ideologies and religious sects are ways for men to kind of push back against that. And ironically, they can turn men into that thing where they're, if they weren't already before, being condemned as. Mm. They can become toxic masculine through just trying to respond to this aggression or this condemnation. Mm -hmm. um, but what the fathers should be doing, the spiritual leaders should be doing, the spiritual leaders should be shining a light on the young man and helping the Holy, helping him see the work of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to use your strength. God want to use your, um, your zeal, right? He wants to use your strength, your zeal, um, even your, your spiritual gifts, um, so that you can conquer this world, you can conquer your flesh. Um, so a lot of the things that are within young men are being misplaced and being used for the wrong, the wrong things and being misdirected. And you're being told to focus on this boogeyman over here, this devil over here, whether it be women, feminism, um, whether it be uh, the white men, mm -hmm. um, and so on and so forth. But in reality, what the young men need to do, what the scripture says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? Mm -hmm. Taking heed um, to, the, to my words. Yeah. Taking heed to my words. Yeah. And as you were talking, I just thought about... Uh, you know, ops, because mm -hmm. a lot of men are being drawn away by gangs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a whole lot of like would be very useful guys for the kingdom that are being pulled away by gangs. What I want to do now real quick is I want to uh, do a few things. First, I'm going to put a link to this discussion. If anybody wants to hop on real quick, um, kind of at the tail end of this. And in the meantime, I'm going to check out this video that randy recommended that we that we watch of jordan peterson who i guess we would call him a social commentator or yeah i mean he's a i guess he's a psychologist of some sort okay um you know i i, I you know i just think it's an interesting video um and he's he's directing this video towards the church i don't say whether he's right or wrong or whether he even has a a place in it um but it is an interesting uh, uh, discussion and a message. Yeah, man. So just to give you some context, Jordan Peterson is, I believe he's an atheist, right? Um, or an agnostic. Uh, see, I don't know exactly. He plays very elusive, <laughs> right? He plays uh -huh. very elusive. And if I, I were to be honest with you, what I pick up about him is he's had some sort of religious experience. Okay. Um, he's had some sort of uh, um, epiphany, um, and I think he's, um, I think he's believes in God. Okay. Yeah, I think he believes in God. Um, just just going off of some of the things that he said and stuff like that. I don't know if he's a professed Christian, but mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, a lot of people of, um, of status or um, people who are known in the world, um, they don't really want to be associated with the church. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They don't yeah. want to be associated with, you know, the mess that we all see. You know what I mean? Um, it's, 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 and I don't blame them. You know what I mean? I don't blame them because people don't want to be pigeonholed into this, this, um, 
this thing. And it, it has nothing to do with, you know, I don't think per se, because he seems to be a very bold person with them being ashamed of God, but people are ashamed to be associated with something. And it, you should play the video because he does talk about that. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna play it, man. So so yeah, I would just say, like, as of right now, he doesn't identify openly as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's safe to say that. So let's get into it, man. This is my first time watching it. I think Randy has watched it. It's about 10 minutes, so I don't know if we'll get through the whole thing, but we'll kind of stop and go if anything stands out. Hi, all. It is, of course, completely presumptuous of me to dare to write and broadcast a video entitled Message to the Christian Churches. But I'm going to do it anyway, because I have something to say, and because that something needs to be said. I've been speaking to, and watching, and listening to audiences all over the Western world for the past four years, in person and in virtual form, and have learned a few things in consequence. It all started, in some sense, with the lectures I did on Genesis in 2017. My family and I took risk and rented out a theater in Toronto on the off chance that there might be an audience for what might be described as a psychological approach to our ancient stories. And lo and behold, and miracle of miracles, there was. I completed 15 or so lectures walking through the first biblical book, sold out the theater, and attracted, surprisingly, millions of viewers, Christians, Jews, Muslims, and atheists. And most of the people who attended live, and the majority of those who watched online, were young men. That is not a phenomenon that can be easily accounted for. But let me try. Now in the West, because of the weight of historical guilt that is upon us, a variant of the sense of original sin in a very real sense, and because of a very real attempt by those possessed by what might be described as unhelpful ideas to weaponize that guilt, our young people face a demoralizing... Side note, this is like torture for me because I watch stuff on two times fast. <laughs> but I'm going to let him continue. ...that is perhaps unparalleled. This is particularly true of young men. Although anything that devastates young men will eventually do the same to young women. And that, in this era of antinatalism and equally reprehensible nihilism, is precisely the point. When they are children, boys are hectored for their toy preferences, which often include toy weapons such as guns, and their more boisterous playing style, as boys require active rough-and-tumble play, even more than girls, for whom it is also a necessity. When in grade school, boys are admonished, shamed, and controlled in a very similar manner by those who think that play is unnecessary, particularly if it's competitive, and who value a docile, harmless obedience above all. Shades of Dolores Umbridge. Following all that, because that's not enough, even when pursued assiduously for total demoralization, is the inculcation of an extremely damaging ideology, which essentially consists of three accusations. Number one, human culture, particularly in the West, is best construed as an oppressive patriarchy. 
motivated by the desire, willingness, and ability to use power, defined as the compulsion of others against their will, to attain what are purely selfish and self-serving ends. This is true at every level of analysis. Marriage is akin to slavery, friendship to exploitation, political disagreement to war, and business arrangements to deception and theft. And this is true not only of the current social arrangements that characterize our culture, particularly in the West, but also the fundamental reality of history itself. Accusation number two. Hold on, so catch me up. Accusation number one is what? Um, accusation number one is he's saying that boys are reprehended and their um for their nature of being boisterous, rough, and he's saying that um there are people who are framing um everything to be uh this there are people who are have this just this skepticism against everything and they have this pessimistic view that um when they look at history or they look at institutions such as marriage or friendship that the the men the male is always like an antagonist mm -hmm. right he's to be a wife is to be a handmaiden a servant and maybe even that is could be even true mm -hmm. um like in almost in a different sense, but that's viewed as like an insult or to put down, um, to be less than a man. And his friendship, Mel's friendship is, is something that is, um, there to exploit you, um, take advantage of you, um, so and so forth. So he's talking about just this idea that people have this pessimistic view the skepticism about men mm -hmm. and boys. Do you think that the patriarchy has become synonymous with Christianity or at least the word of God? I mean, absolutely. Um, but I think it is a, a roundabout way of trying to attack the word of God. Mm. It's a roundabout way of trying to attack the word of God. I mm. think um, the devil doesn't want to come flat out and say you know let's burn the bible right he wants to he wants to mischaracterize men in general mm -hmm. sorry my bad yeah he wants to mischaracterize men in general and therefore now we can have skepticism towards the men who wrote the bible that okay maybe they're writing this with an agenda okay I can see that. Um, okay. Yeah, let's keep going. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get to 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 knock that out. So let's keep going. I'm gonna put this on one point two times fast. Y'all gotta meet me halfway. <laughs> um all right, so this is point number two. Human activity, particularly that undertaken in the West is fundamentally a planet-despoiling enterprise. The human race is a threat to the ecological utopia that existed before us and that could hypothetically exist in our absence. We might well be construed even as a cancer that threatens the very viability of the complex systems that make up the ecosystem of the Earth that shelters and supports us. 
We are facing a Malthusian catastrophe of overpopulation and biosphere degradation. And we have to place extreme limits on our wants, even our needs, so that survival itself, even in a much reduced form, can be guaranteed. Accusation. All right. Catch me up on accusation number two, because I don't know what all them words meant. I'm just going to keep it 100. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, just furthering this argument. So just to catch you up, mm -hmm. you know, Jordan is not speaking from his own point of view. OK, he's speaking from. Just arguments and condemnations and judgments that's been put out there um, by society, society, specifically certain academics. OK, right. Certain people in academics and they're teaching this doctrine. Right. They're teaching this doctrine that, first of all, this masculinity is uh, geared towards oppression. And then now he's talking about humanity in general. Um the world would be a better place without human. You mm -hmm. know, if you think about that, that's kind of like the kind of thoughts that people who are suicidal have, right? Wow. Yeah. So said nihilistic. Nihilistic, right. Mm -hmm. So this idea that um we don't really serve a purpose here. Okay. Our only purpose here is to make things worse. Worshiping the the creature or the creation mm -hmm. more than God. Yeah, I see that. It's it's like he's talking literally about the earth and some of that, the way people perceive it. Yeah. I mean, just nature in general. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, the, the contrarian point number three. Number three. The prime contributor both to the tyranny that makes up the oppressive patriarchy and structures all of our social interactions, past and present, and the unforgivable despoiling of our beloved Mother Earth is damnable male ambition competitive and dominating, power-mad, selfish, exploitative, raping and pillaging. You might think that I'm overstating the case. Think again, sunshine. We in the West are facing an all-out assault at the deepest levels on what that old joker Jacques Derrida deemed the fell logocentric conceptual structure of civilization itself. To take that apart, that's a society centered on the encouraging, adventurous, masculine spirit, and that privileges that hated word of all things, the divine logos. And what should we worship and celebrate properly other than that? Deconstructionists, the words of that mass murderer, Karl Marx. And it is precisely those young men who are deeply conscientious, capable of guilt and regret, who have come to believe in pain that every deep impulse that moves them out into the world for the adventure of their life, even that impulse drawing them to women, is nothing but the manifestation of a spirit that is essentially satanic in nature. This is not only wrong theologically, morally, psychologically, practically, and scientifically. It is literally anti-true. All right. So he presented his third point. Um, sounds like the contrarian argument is almost equating masculinity to evil. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about that is masculinity is viewed today for everything that it potentially gets wrong mm -hmm. at the expense of anything that is done right. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that we're sitting here able to have this live stream on this camera over the Internet in this structure, this house, mm -hmm. most of that, if not all of it, came from men. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's not to say that 
women don't contribute to society or things like that. But in terms of just building, mm-hmm. in terms of infrastructure, in terms of uh, um, the amenities that we have. Sure. Right. And so he's talking about this ambition um, as if this ambition is just a complete not not him. I know it's mm-hmm. not him, but he's uh, presenting the point of his opposition. And they are saying that this ambition is so horrible but it's that same ambition that pushed the envelope enough mm-hmm. to allow us to have the lifestyle that we have today. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can keep going because um, I guess he's about to start addressing the churches, right? Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Okay. It's not a mere misstatement about the nature of reality, a minor conceptual error, but something that literally could not be farther from the truth and something that distant from the truth comes from a place that cannot be distinguished from hell. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, you are welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time and energy and effort and your will and your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life more abundant for you and for your wife and children and for your community and your country and the world. And we have our problems in the Christian church. We are more abundant, sometimes far too often corrupt, and sometimes deeply so. We are outdated, as are all institutions with their roots in the dead, but still often wise past. So join us. We'll help fix you up, and you can help fix us up. And together, we'll aim up. And here's a message to those young men skeptical about such things. What else do you have? You can abandon the churches in your cynicism and disbelief. You can say to yourself narcissistically and solipsistically, the church does not express what I believe properly. Who cares what you believe? Why is this about you? Do you even want it to be about you? What if it was about others? What if it was about your duty to the past and to the broader community that surrounds you in the present? What if it was incumbent upon you and vital to your health and willingness even to live to rescue your dead father from the belly of the beast where he has always resided and to restore him to life. Once again, to the churches, Protestant, you're the worst at the moment, (laughs) Catholic, Orthodox. Invite young men, put up a billboard, say young men are welcome here. Print some flyers and put them in a box by the billboard. Signal the existence of those flyers with an arrow with the words, more information about attending here. Tell those who have never been in a church exactly what to do, how to dress, when to show up, who to contact, and most importantly, what they can do. Ask more, not less, of those you are inviting. Ask more of them than anyone ever has. Remind them who they are in the deepest sense and help them become that. Your churches, for God's sake, quit fighting for social justice. Quit saving the bloody planet. Attend to some souls. That's what you're supposed to do. 
That's your holy duty. Do it now before it's too late. The hour is nigh. Oops. Yeah, man. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Um I so I like that he made that statement. Um, but I don't know how useful that statement is for me. Okay. Right? When he's talking about when he's talking about go to the church, you know, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your community. I noticed that he never say for God. I noticed that it was never to please God that you should do these things. Right. And so what's happening right now in, in society is that people who don't necessarily serve God are recognizing the importance of the church as an institution and how critical it is to civilization at large. I see that. And they're like, they're like, I actually ran into a guy who's like a like an atheist. And one of his issues was like, man, you know, one of the problems in society is the churches have become too large. And you have these big mega churches, and they're not really speaking to, you know, morality. This guy's an atheist, mm -hmm. but he recognized like church as an institution served as a pillar for society. And once the church has been corrupted, you started to see on a wider scale. Um, society and morality and what we call like the decadence or the degradation of Western civilization. And that's what uh, people like Jordan Peterson is noting and noticing and speaking towards. Um, I even spoke to a person who was talking about like going to church and the reason for going to church. He said, now, I don't really believe this stuff, but I would take my church, my children to church so that they can learn the community for weddings, for baptism and things like these types of ceremonial things that kind of draws a body of people together. Mm -hmm. But where is Christ at the head of this thing? Wow. Um, so this is the issue. Um, even for... Even so, this is how bad it is. Even the people who have no revelation of Jesus, they are lamenting the fall of the Christian church mm. for the purposes that it served to even protect them and the stability within society. Um, but I think it takes more than that. I think it takes more than that, and I think God deserves more than that. Um, we can't. It's kind of the same thing as a person coming to God whenever they're in need. Yet now you recognize the need for a church because God was, when the spirit of God was invited into the land, he was giving you peace. Now, even though you weren't a Christian, even mm -hmm. though you didn't come to church, even though you didn't believe in his God, mm -hmm. he was giving you peace in the streets, right? Those young hoodlums over there wasn't burning down your building, burning down your city. Because 
their parents were mm -hmm. Christians, their parents were praying. But now it's all it's it's the wild wild west. Right. And it's like now we need God. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. We need God. But Whoever you don't he need... is or whatever <laughs> right. we need. So yeah. it, it's it's kind of that that's what I get from what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's but um that's not the answer. Right. That's not the answer. We don't need that type of Christianity. There's a reason why it failed. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why that cultural Christianity, that type of, uh, you know, when people walk by the church, they didn't say a cuss word because, uh, you know what I mean? That type mm -hmm. of um, superstition that people had that gave the allure of or the appearance of some sort of respect mm -hmm. um no we don't need that no we need we need god to make himself visible mm -hmm. to this world we need god to reintroduce himself into this world in a way that we've never seen him before yeah people want to build back the old ways no we need god to show himself strong as this world has changed people have challenged god people have said god is dead people have said we've moved on to a new age this is a post-christian world we need god to show up greater than what he showed up in the the crusades of you know billy graham or Oral roberts we don't need the 40s church the 50 church we need a church for today we need a church that's going to be something that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things in the scripture, Jesus says, behold, I do a new thing. He says, they used to talk about, oh, you know, the Israelites used to talk about, oh, the Lord saved us from Egypt. He says, you know what? That testimony is cool. But behold, now I'm going to do a new thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that's going to blow away Egypt, you know? And this is what I, I believe in. I believe that God wants to do a new thing in this generation. Wow. I believe that God wants to do a new thing in America. You know, I, I believe that God wants to um, reintroduce himself to the, to this world bigger than any testimony that we can think of, mm. you know, and this is what I believe is the only way. This is the only way. Yeah. Um, this is the only way out. We have to have faith to see God bigger than, um, the past security that we had and the days where, you know, the pastor was just, you know, you know, I didn't read the Bible, but I just respected the office. Mm -hmm. No, now, now you're going to start to respect men of God because they're going to walk with the power and the authority of God in a way that you've never seen before. You're going to be forced to have to respect them. And, you know, I think, um, I hear what he's saying. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think it is useful because it does highlight uh, that even those people who are not necessarily even believers are recognizing how far this world has fallen and the usefulness for church to kind of bring people together. But I think we're beyond the point of restoring church as it was. Mm -hmm. I think now is the time for something new. It's darker than ever right now. Mm. And what it sounds like he's saying is, is, you know, we need a light. Mm. I think he's processing it as best he can through whatever spiritual lens he has. 
or whatever spiritual maturity level he's at, you know, which is which is why he literally said, bring them in the building, tell them how to dress, tell them what to do, you know, which is religion. Mm -hmm. Right. But, yeah, the cry that he's making in this video, to your point, is that uh, we're desperate. Mm -hmm. You know, we're desperate. I agree with the overall premise that men um, need a place where they feel useful. And and what he's really saying is that this is a ripe time. Mm. Like this is the time where, where men, regardless of where they are, regardless of what they're doing, they kind of recognize I've been villainized, mm. right? Most of them, some of them don't, but a lot of them do. Hey, for whatever reason, they think I'm the bad guy. They think I'm toxic. Mm. So now, okay, why can't the church be that outlet for them? Mm. So I think uh, I agree with you that his starting point is great. Mm -hmm. Once we get their attention, your point is saying we present them with the gospel and the word of God, not just religion and a task and a checklist, but something that actually allowed them to have impact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the presentation of the gospel um, and even some of the ways that God moved in the past is just not going to do um, for for this. You can't just regurgitate what people have preached before. Right. Um, we need uh, a presentation. We need a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's going to debunk the idols of today. Mm -hmm. right the the demons that have risen up right now um they need to be addressed not the demons that were doing the things back in the day the mm -hmm. demons who have risen up now the idols that have risen up now they need to be addressed and the only reason why darkness have come is because the church in the way that it was structured had fail to address these issues and over time it just became from generation to generation worse and worse and worse right yeah what i want to do man is just take some comments mm. real quick before we kind of close out uh i'm going to do it different this time i'm gonna kind of start toward the bottom and maybe work my way up since i missed so many <laughs> uh or maybe i'll start closer toward the bottom because sometimes you guys type type long messages and I don't want to miss it. So here's a point that I must've missed earlier. Brother Greg, can you elaborate more on the difference between matriotic and patriotic patriotic as it relates to the body of Christ? Give examples so that I and others can be on alert. Thank you both. Yeah, I can do that. The difference between matriarchy and patriarchy in the church I think we touched on it a little bit, but I would just say that there needs to be a balance between spiritualism slash emotionalism and substance. You know, uh, the, the, the emotional appeal is a powerful tool in worship and understanding and uh, relating to God. It's a necessary tool. But I've heard guys say almost verbatim, like, man, I can I can do without the praise and worship. Da, 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 da. Just give me the word. Now, I don't agree that they should have no praise and worship and only the word. 
<laughs> right? There has to be a balance. But I think what was prompting those type of statements was just a sentiment of like, let me do away with all the theatrics, right? Getting back to our point earlier about authenticity, guys just want to be able to um, authentically relate to what's being taught to them because guys have different discernment. You know, I think that uh, men are very discerning in, in one way and men are very discern. excuse me, and women are very discerning in other ways. And that whole emotionalism type thing, I think a lot of guys have immunity to that. So they see through that a bit easier. And if they don't see that authenticity happening, right, they're going to automatically kind of write this off as, okay, I hate to use this phrase, but it's just a lot of feminine energy in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe I just don't have a place here. So I kind of feel as though this is not always an indicator because sometimes it's just purely demographics. But sometimes you can look at a church and look at the male to female ratio. Um, listen to what the pastor is preaching about. Uh, who is he appealing to? Is he saying things that are, that are flattering to the female ego um, or is he saying things that are just truthful from the word of God? Um, this is a personal thing for me, but if he does a lot of that, a lot of like sassy talk and sassy preaching, and it just almost sounds like a woman talking to you, but just in a male body or male presentation to me, that's a red flag. So I, I recognize that's probably more difficult for some women to perceive sometimes because they're just used to communicating that way. But that's the way I kind of see. Oh, also like, uh, you know, positions in the church and stuff like that. Like, are there other men in the church that, that have a place other than the pastor? Um, these are the type of things that come to mind. You got any thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, so the term matriarchy and patriarchy as it relates to society really has no place in the church. Um, the, the church is neither like a, a matriarchy. It's, it's, if it, if it could be called patriarchy, it's only in the sense that God is the father of all spirits. Uh, not in the sense that it's, um, it's led by a body of men. Right. So like a earthly government or society could be a patriarchy, let's say, um, like, a, 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 you know, a foreign monarchy, you know, where you have a king and his son and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Or even like the United States government where, where it's like uh, the forefathers and all that. That could be a patriarchy. Um, now. That authority that comes from God, that authority, it's Christ. It should be Christ who's the head. And that there is a authority that is given to men from God. That's the context where we always want to talk about in terms of uh, male leadership. Um, so Jesus called his apostle. Um, God called Abraham, you know, Isaac and Jacob. So leadership has to be male in the church and it has to be not just male but holy spirit led men um in the church 
Um, that's what it looks like in the Bible. Um, that is the structure that God gave us. Um, and so once we start to get in line with Christ being the head of the church, the men submitting themselves to not to their own agenda or their own purposes, but what is Christ's vision for the church and being used by the Holy Spirit to then lead the body and encourage the body in the work of the Lord. Um, that's what it more so looked like. It's not necessarily a thing of matriarchy versus patriarchy in the sense of different styles of culture, but it's more so um, are we under Christ? Are we being led by the Lord? Yeah, yeah. If I had to sum it up a simple way for me, it's just like if it's just too much hooping and hollering and theatrics to me, that's a red flag. Um, that's the simplest way I, I view it. Okay, this is a follow-up to that statement from Chosen to Heal by God. That type of teaching and preaching comes across very alluring. I think she's talking about that video we watched with a guy as for a, um, a Movado. Very alluring and beguiling, very charismatic. Just my analogy, no ill intent for me, but I would not want to sit under this type of leadership. I think it has something to do with being geared to fantasy. You know, some some people gravitate more toward fantasy than reality. So it's like I would rather hear a lie or a fantasy or something glamorous than to hear the truth. There's another comment. The Holy Spirit just dropped this in my mind. It is easier for folks to follow others on social media faster than following the spirit of the living God. Many want to follow a natural man versus God. Man, you got any thoughts about that? Well, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, we're not talking about uh, following a man for the sake of following a man. Um, because ultimately, the scripture says that in Christ, there is no male or female. Mm -hmm. It says that. Um, so we're not here to just follow man because that even that can be a form of righteousness. Right. It looks right. Yep. It, you know, and even like, you know, societies that claim to be or even proponents of like quote unquote feminism who are they really following because mm. a lot of those the originators of those ideologies were men right you know so a lot of those thinkers were actually men so a lot they're actually contradictory in in that sense but yeah man it's it the christian is called to follow the holy spirit and whenever this is the beautiful thing about the Bible, whenever the Bible entrusts a man with authority, he always he the scriptures, the Holy Spirit always qualifies that authority. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the scripture says, children, obey your mother and father in the Lord. Mm -hmm. People always forget that part. It's not just obey your mother and father, um, you know, uh, you know, wives are to be submissive to their husband like unto Christ mm -hmm. or like church, like the church is to Christ. So the thing is, these qualifications that God gives is so that people don't get misled and power doesn't get abuse. Um, it's not in the Lord for my parents to tell me to become, uh, let's say, uh, Islamic jihadists or to become this crazy person that wants to hurt other people. It's not, that's not in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we, when we look at 
um, the authority that comes from men, we also have to qualify it and hold those people accountable to the scriptures. Right. Yeah, it's an anchor. Uh, here's another comment from Chosen the Hill. Yep, these kind of religious organizations are simply portals that lead people away from God versus bringing the body of Christ closer to God. I will venture to say it's divination. Wow. Uh, they are actually, absolutely. Yeah. They're actually pulling from the kingdom of, of darkness realm, but mixing the profane with the holy. Mm. Yeah. That, that's some of the appeal of those organizations we mentioned earlier. Um, like the Manosphere or, or some of those other organizations, they, they tend to present something that appears true and it is appealing um to the flesh yeah uh ashkenazi christian says for me he's another quote when you can't dazzle him with brilliance <laughs> baffle him bs type of people yeah who's who's your friend to I think that might have been referring to the uh that preacher oh, yeah, that, that preacher? we showed. Okay. Yeah. Uh probably not Jordan Peterson. Trisha says people want to see the real, not phony stuff. That's the simplest way I could put it. Um man, a lot of comments here. Let me go down to the bottom a little bit. I think I'm caught up. Let's see, Sister Marsha says, I believe that the Lord does show himself mighty in each generation. However, sadly, each generation goes through some type of punishment for their ignorance and disobedience. Well, that's the book of Judges for you. Just cycles. Uh, chosen a hill. I truly believe that the children of God will do even greater works than Jesus because he said so in John 14 and 12. I'm willing and desire this more than anything. Yeah. He did promise greater works. Yeah, we need a heart transformation by the blood of Jesus, says Sister Tricia. Uh, and one sec last couple comments. Thank you for breaking that down. And I too love praise music, but I sometimes get to church, but I sometimes get to church after much of the music has been sung because it sometimes seems so theatrical. Don't mean to sound critical. Mm. And Ashkenazi says, interestingly, interestingly, the word exploits is not defined in the Strong's concordance, but I take it to mean miracles. And I think she's talking about that scripture, how we'll perform exploits. Mm -hmm. um, man, that's some good stuff. And this one last comment I'll read from Sister Tricia. Women of God want strong men in the church. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, it's a heavy topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think we, we flushed out about as much as we can tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's necessary, man. We right. have to talk about these things. Um, we have to, you know, address the world that we live in and deal with it on a you know honest, you know, honest way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this is the world that we live in. Um, this is the church that uh, um, that's presented itself as you know the body of christ and doesn't seem to really be balanced mm -hmm. and, and, and there's many many ways where there are imbalances in the church and that's just one of the manifestations of it and so i mean we look for the lord to to do something to do a work 
in our generation to to you know to give us a true image of what his bride is supposed to look like. Yeah. I will say, man, I do believe that more men will come into the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we just got to go out there and get them. Even before I saw that Jordan Peterson clip, you know, I've always just kind of felt like you'd be amazed at what people will do if you do invite them. Mm -hmm. There's stuff that I probably normally would not have done or thought about doing, but somebody invited me. Right. And I said, you know what? Let me let me just check it out. Sure. You know what I mean? And so the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Mm -hmm. You know, so 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 I think that we as the body of Christ need to be more intentional about addressing uh what I'm a, for for right now call a deficiency mm -hmm. or a flaw, mm -hmm. right? Where we need more balance, right? It's a flaw, so we need to be more intentional about it. I believe God is bringing up um you know, new men every day. I believe he's using new tools sure. to to convince men and to attract men to the gospel. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the measuring stick can't be necessarily church attendance. Right. You know what I mean? That's where you get pigeonholed into, um, you know, if you just start counting how many people are in the church, that doesn't give any type of indication of whether God is moving or how he's moving. Um, you know, so a lot of times people think, you know, we hear the term revival. And what does that mean? Does that mean now, you know, more people are going to come to church? Therefore, more. that's why a lot of people are for revival. So more people can give offerings and donations. Right. That's not what it's about, you know. That's not what it's about. Uh, you know, you know, even Jordan P Peterson hinted at it. This work has to do with within. Um, there needs to be a revival of the male spirit, right? That spirit of purpose, that spirit of conquering, that spirit of protection, that spirit of providing, that spirit that it is true form resembles Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a revival of that. And there needs to be a revival of femininity, mm -hmm. that spirit of being a wife, that spirit of serving her family, that spirit of loving her husband, that spirit of submissiveness. You know, there needs to be a revival of these things. Um, and people need to learn these things. Um, and institutions need to learn these things, right? So when the people, hearts and minds start to be changed, um, that's when we're going to start to see uh, change in society at a large. Yeah. Praise God, man. So, yeah, fam, I thank y'all for hanging out with us tonight on a prime, prime, prime edition of uh, Solid Talk. God is good. Um, be on the lookout for more content coming soon. God is moving in a mighty way. I'm encouraged. I thank you, Randy, for hopping on, man, and, and just chopping this up with me, man. It's always yes, more insight that I gain, you know, so I praise God yes, for sir. that. Um, I don't have anything else. I think you kind of said your closing comments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to sign off tonight, fam. Uh, once again, that's all we have. You all take care and be blessed. 
Culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest And show each other respect I keep it solid I'm dropping knowledge Wisdom understanding just like you done went to college Devil know we working His goal is to try to stop it Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it Controversial topics just to keep it honest Truth hit hard just like it's a blunt object Culture living godless I can't even call it We in the last days Babylon is falling don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya Let's walk and get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only around the shell We say we trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next True believers, they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases Speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check in from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect try and keep my sanity amongst calamity social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity pc culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but i know jesus gonna Keep me covered like a canopy Blood give me amnesty No I can't handle me Not where I wanna be But best believe I plan to be Flesh wrestle against the spirit Main event and slambery So I need them every day This daily, weekly, annually Iron sharp as iron So I'm strengthened by my brethren We may not meet down here But guarantee the link in heaven The born again and righteous Are the ones he's gonna let in Let's keep the faith And be amongst the saints When they step in